Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venueland, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them. Hello and welcome to a special detour episode of Adventures in Venue Land, an EAMC podcast. I'm Dave Rettelberger and along with my co-host Paul Hooper, today's episode is one of those uh, a little bit of different. It's a detour, a side trip, one of our many bonus episodes where we take a, a single serving look at a special topic. And today, venue nerds, uh, this one's for you, right? Because imagine working for a historic venue, uh, someplace that's, you know, 99, 100 years old, and somebody comes up with the idea of, hey, I got an idea. Why don't, why don't we run a NASCAR uh, event uh, inside the venue? What's it take to make that happen? Uh, and and a, a venue with an amazing legacy. We're talking about the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Uh, and here with us today is Joe Fearon, the general manager of the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum and Sports Arena. Joe, uh, shortly after the Bushlight clash at the Coliseum, how are you feeling? I am still on a professional high. It was the most exciting event I've seen inside of a stadium, uh, as you said, an iconic stadium and one that we are so used to looking down and seeing a football field. It, it, NASCAR was so outside the box. It was, it was unbelievable. It was a great, great experience. That's got to be really weird, too, to kind of to your point, like when in a place that's built for football, uh, you know, all these NASCAR events are all like very packaged in a NASCAR stadium. And so it's that I think that's a lot of the story of this, right, is that you're basically putting a NASCAR event, which in a place that really wasn't built for NASCAR. And that's I mean, that's got to just be a really it's it's a big swing for NASCAR to want to do that. And a really cool uh, thing for you all to, uh, you know, explore and do it with them. And I, I think that that's part of the amazing story is like the willingness to really think outside the box on all sides. Yeah. And, and I've been asked the question a little bit about what my initial reaction was. And it, it, it honestly was twofold. There was there's the part of me as a venue manager. We flip a building all the time. It doesn't matter if it's basketball to hockey, you throw a concert in there. If it's a stadium, you're doing football and, and, and a, again, a, a concert and a stage build. And then you go back and forth. So. From a business perspective, when NASCAR, when we had our first conversation and they said, would you consider doing a race car event in the Coliseum? Part of me was very measured, business-like. Yeah, we, we flip buildings all the time. Let's have more discussions. The other side of me, knowing a NASCAR product, knowing a stock car and 600 horsepower engines and and the, the sights, the sounds, and everything that goes with that, I, I was like a little kid. Like, you, you got to be kidding. This is, <laughs> you know, I was like Christmas morning dumping out a bunch of Hot Wheels on the rug, just going, rawr, 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 rawr. <laughs> I mean, that, it, was, it was a, sure, we can handle flipping a building. Oh, my gosh, are you kidding? So that, that's where it all started from. So how long ago was that? What's, what's the process like from idea generation 
to execution. Yeah. Um, being here in Southern California as a venue manager, I'm also connected with Dave Allen, who runs the Fontana uh, Speedway, where NASCAR has has been for 20 some years running a race out there. NASCAR's leadership approached Dave Allen about, you know, we want to think outside the box and we want to go uh, in the heart of a city. So Dave gave them my my phone number. So that was that's that was the first start and the phone rang and and the question ultimately was would you consider that was a couple years ago pre-pandemic and at the time nascar was throwing a as i understood it a little wide net around the country where where is this possible logistically as well as uh, other X factors, time of year, and, and uh, where it would fit within a race, they didn't. Uh, they were doing some fact finding. Let's just say on those early early sure. phone calls. Sure. Then the pandemic hit, and so obviously all business ground to a halt, and we didn't really pick back up again until after certain sports, whether it was baseball or NASCAR or, or, you know, started to get back in business, some of them without fans, some with whatever. But that's when, again, NASCAR picked the phone back up and said, hey, we're still interested in exploring this outside the box thinking, are you still interested? And at, at that point, we started talking a little bit about the time of year, knowing that the field would have to be covered for a good two months our best window is after the college football season when we're done with the USC Trojans and springtime. Uh, we, we have Major League Rugby team playing, and so we have that window from the end of, of regular football to the, the start of, of rugby. To That is our best window. And so that's when we started narrowing it down as to, as to how this, this might look and, and, and how it might come together. And then really the the heavy lifting was on NASCAR's end of things, meaning I basically said, if you can engineer a track, we'll host it. You know, I, right, I'm not, sure. yes. I don't know how to build a track. I don't know, again, speeds and horsepower and, and stuff. So if their engineers can design something that could go in uh, and come out in this, in this window, well, again, we're, we're your partner. We're, we're all in. So Joe, dumb it down for, for us. <laughs> I, it just it seems so foreign to be able to build a racetrack, you know, on top of a football field, right? Yeah. Like we convert, we convert, you know, uh, when you put a basketball floor on top of ice, people's minds are blown by that, right? Right. But but to do a, a racetrack where there once was a football field, and then you know we all know how important it is to the university side of things, right? That or they leave that football field intact, right? So make sure it's not damaged. So. What what's that what's that conversion process and that build actually like? Yeah, For, fortunately, we're in an industry that, again, this isn't necessarily uncommon. Even if you're talking monster truck shows, uh, the Supercross Stadium uh, stuff that, that, that's going around, bringing in 600 tons of dirt and dumping it on a on a field, a grass field, again, isn't quote unquote that uncommon. So at least we had that baseline to start with, and so we use that. To say, well, when you do that, you got to protect. Uh, it's not so much as the green blades of grass that's going to die, but it's the irrigation <laughs> system. It's the drains uh, on our field level. Probably like a lot of stadiums, we have some IT infrastructure, uh, access points, etc. And so all of that stuff 
if you could, you've got to protect that first and foremost, and then you bring in your dirt. And in NASCAR's case, then on top of that dirt, they uh, compacted it and they graded it. So there was a slight bank in the curves, uh, being an oval, uh, a, a slight, slight banks uh, at the ends. And then they just poured about a four to five inch uh, layer of asphalt over the top of that wow. and, Jeez. you know, brought it, brought in the right safety measures as well, the crash barriers and the cash fence and stuff. Sure. But it's, you know, to dumb it down, it's bodies, it's labor, it's machinery, it's equipment. And, and if you can conceive it and, and put all that stuff together, it's just, you know, piece A goes first and then piece B goes after that. And then, and ultimately a racetrack was built. Were there any uh, renovations or, you know, permanent kind of not like big changes, but anything you all needed to do on the building side to kind of allow for it to be installed and, you know, broken down, or is it kind of, you know, once it was done, you're able to load it out, you're kind of back to square one. Yeah, for the most part, the big impact was down on our field level, if you will. And so that all of those proper protection measures were were put in place, whether it was plywood or or, or visqueen, heavy plastic to pick up loose, loose materials and, and stuff like that. So once all that was in place, the rest of the stadium, you know, we could have been hosting a football game, a, a rock concert, an international soccer. It was it was the thousands of fans in the building and serving them uh, hot dogs and beers. So, so so again, <laughs> that part is turnkey. That part is is easy. We got that dialed. So we really didn't have to touch much of the facility other than the grass itself. Uh, the only exceptions to that would be Fox Broadcasting, Fox National covered it. So they built an extra big uh, stage set over over some seats. So you're talking about seat kills and and some of those things. But again, in the, in the generic world of hosting events, really nothing outside of the ordinary. So does the event, I mean, it had a lot of buzz nationally. So, you know, uh, L.A. can be a tough market to leave a mark, you know, especially in a, at a time when, uh, you know, there's a, a little team competing for a Super Bowl at another venue just uh, just around the way. Uh, so did the event, you know, again, NASCAR has a huge crowd, but did the event mostly sell itself or was there a lot of work behind the scenes? The initial announcement was made in September. They finished their current point season uh, in November in Phoenix. Uh, they brought their champion out and did some promo shots of the Coliseum a couple days later. So they, Kyle Larson was out here and they used that as the promotions in their off season as they started gearing up about that same time, uh, Fox national, as mentioned, decided to take the broadcast from Fox regional. So prior to them, when this uh, event was originally conceived, uh, the thought was it would be covered on a regional basis. Once Fox National picked it up, that's really when things got off the chart. As you mentioned, uh, you know, the Super Bowl run, the Fox NFL broadcast of the playoff game, you had Joe Buck, Troy Aikman talking about the clash in the Coliseum. So you're right. There was a big, big drive of national publicity tied in with this. And you look at the calendar, we got just past the holiday season and really into the first of the year and momentum just started taking off and more, yeah. more tickets sold, more uh, media requests, more 
just interest in the event. You know, we all know when your phone rings from your long lost cousin you haven't heard from in a, in a long time, <laughs> you know that you're going to have a special special event. And so it was a lot of fun to be part of to have that buildup of the momentum to the actual race weekend. What was very, very interesting is they didn't put a car on the track at any speeds until the Friday night before the clash. So while the track had been done for about two weeks prior, asphalt was curing, they started painting, you adding all the color to it. It wasn't until the Friday night where they put four cars on there and let let them zip around. And there may be 500 people in the building. And there was this look on everyone's face that, oh, my gosh, number one, we did it. (laughs) Number one, it was this is, you know, we were able to do this. And number two, this could actually be a really fun race. And so that momentum Friday night and excitement just carried through to Saturday. The practice runs, they had a fan fest, the fans started coming out. And it was a buzz that honestly didn't didn't let down till the race was over. And that's that's one thing I guess I was going to hit on is I'll admit that I am not the most knowledgeable about NASCAR. And whenever I catch it, <laughs> you it and seems me both. like it's yeah, it seems like it's in this big stadium and not that the Coliseum is not a big stadium, but it seems like it's smaller than maybe these giant NASCAR tracks. Is it one of the smallest ones they've done? Is it smaller than they've ever done? And to me, that's like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm getting like excitement and also anxiety of these cars zipping around this little tiny stadium going up on these banks. Like I'm sure that was a lot of the, the excitement about it too, is how do they pull off having this kind of feat of engineering, yeah. uh, you know, go into this smaller space. And then, you know, of course you have all these experienced drivers too that make it easier. Yeah, but but you hit on a on a number of things that that you you know you're spot on with with your assessment. You know you can engineer anything in a classroom, obviously, but until it comes to life, there is an unknown factor. And some of that discussion, you know, with NASCAR, you know, at one point I asked him, "Hey, why? You know, what? Why would you take something that's typically on a two mile road course?" Uh, or a super speedway oval, and why would you bring it into a small, small stadium? You know, I think Talladega, uh, some two and a half miles, you know, they're doing 500 laps, and it's a, it's a three-hour race, you know, some of these things. And, I, and I'm not the, 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 the biggest NASCAR fan either. I wouldn't offend a real NASCAR fan. But I've seen the product. It's exciting to me. So my question is, why would you do that? Why would you bring it into a stadium? And their answer was it was feedback from their fan and they liked up close, intimate action that showcased driver skill. And honestly, I didn't know what that meant until I saw it happen. These cars hit about 80 miles an hour and there was a lot of bumping, a lot of collision, as they say, trading paints, door handle to door handle. I mean, you were literally on top of each other and you were pushing guys out of the way. You do that on a super speedway at speeds in 200 miles an hour, you you may take yourself out of the race, let alone half the field. Here, they spun out and they got right back into the race. And so I think the drivers got more aggressive. The drivers realized how far they could push the envelope. The, you know, no one was going to fly off the track and do, do you know, 
uh, quadruple barrel rolls, you know, thank God. (laughs) But it was it was enough. So they they got up to the speed. They got competitive. And ultimately, the fans were, were on the edge of their seat or standing the whole time because it was it was very exciting. Joe, what what surprised you or or something you got, you know, obviously a lot of planning goes into it, but we know we don't always account for everything. So so what went did anything go sideways or, or, you know, wish you could have done a little bit differently if you had the chance to do it over again? I I honestly have to say that everything was a really good experience. The part that surprised me the most uh, pleasantly surprised was the resources that NASCAR brought to promote this event. You know, we, we did mention going Fox regional to Fox uh, national, but the drivers got behind it. And so during the off season, they're, they're, they're pushing it. Um, There were a lot of other tracks involved. NASCAR has personnel around it. So they brought in their best of the best, if you will, to help put this together. So there were a lot of resources brought to the table. And, and uh, another interesting thing, there was a media day on Friday, um, Disney and Pixar, through their partnership with NASCAR, they brought down Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen was nice. doing laps down in the Coliseum. That's a big celebrity right there. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't get much bigger than that. But <laughs> anyways, it was that type of cross-promotional that I had not anticipated. You know, uh, yeah. again, you fall back on a concert example or or any touring show and they do their local media buy and and that's kind of your push. This was really all resources, you know, anything and everything was brought into the fold to to it wasn't so much as this event, but it was the start of their season kicking off in an outside of the box way. Let's galvanize some interest that will carry that the momentum will carry through uh, to their regular racing season. And and so that's, again, all hands on deck, all resources let's bring them together. And that, that honestly was, was uh, great to see and great to be a part of that. That's, that's what I didn't expect. I, like I said, I I thought there'd be a local media buy and, and that's what we'd be talking about. And this was so far over the moon from that. It it was great. I'm sure with it being so different than any other race, that's probably what had all these drivers, they were probably looking forward to it because they're like, we do get a race a little different than we've ever done before. And so it's almost like the equivalent on like a musical tour where a band knows they're going to go play Red Rocks or they're going to play Madison Square Garden. They kind of circle that date because they're like, this is going to be something unique. It's going to be something special. So I'm sure it's the same with these drivers. They're thinking, okay, we're going to be playing all these tracks and I really like these, but this is something we don't do every so often. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how this dynamic plays out and maybe I enjoy kind of going a little slower, but also, yeah, you know, showing off my skill a little uh, differently. So I think that's, that's a lot of it too, which is great. Yeah. That that's exactly some of the feedback I, you know, we got as well. It was outside the box enough where people wanted to be part of it. And as the momentum grew, it started, you know, it created its own weather cycle, you know, if you will, as, as it got more momentum, more people wanted to be part of it. And, and, and then the momentum got ratcheted up another notch. I, I have a really quick nerdy question. Were you able to go drive around on the track? Like, like I'm, I'm oh, imagining, yeah. I don't know what kind of car you drive, <laughs> but let's say, you know, you've got a, you know, a Toyota RAV4, you know, you got that <laughs> zooming around out on this track. Did they let you take a golf cart out there or anything? 
Well, Paul, insurance requirements frowns upon things <laughs> like that. <laughs> now, there is a period where everyone leaves the building, and I do have the keys to the kingdom. So we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> hey, so what's the condition of, the, of, of you know, the Coliseum like today? Right. It's been as the recording of this. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, and I know when we have those rodeos or monster trucks or even a rock show, we're cleaning up confetti and dirt. Uh, it's, we're always finding it in places, right? So, so exactly. what, what is the, uh, how, how are we doing and getting ready for rugby? Well, I'm happy to say that the grass went in yesterday. Uh, NASCAR was, was true to their word and great to work with in terms of, uh, of uh, it wasn't lip service when they said, we're going to treat your, your venue with care and, and we're not going to leave until we're all 100% cleaned up. So that was completed over this past uh, weekend. Uh, and then, as, as I mentioned, the grass went in yesterday morning, so it, it's done. We'll paint the grass in two days and we'll host rugby, uh, uh, rugby on Sunday. Um, you, so, so from that perspective, uh, NASCAR is in, in the rearview mirror, uh, no pun intended, and, and we're on to the next, next event. Uh, I'm sure, yes, we'll find bits of glitter and some remnants of pit bull uh, or ice, ice cube uh, <laughs> popping up when we least expect it. But yeah, we're, we're, we're ready to go on to the next one. Well, and when you talk about the next one, obviously there's football, there's rugby, but right around the corner, you have a, you have a, you have a big show with Romstein, right? A couple of big nights there. Yes. And then not too far away. Am I right about this? You're one of the only venues, uh, the third summer Olympics. Correct. We are the only venue that would have hosted uh, three opening uh, ceremonies in the track and field competition in the world. Uh, so that that's obviously rarefied air for us. And yes, that is is right around uh, right around the corner. Um, but yeah, it's 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 back to business, much like everyone else with pandemic behind us, and we're eager to host the events. And just as people are eager to tour and 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 showcase stuff, so beyond the the tenant stuff like USC football or rugby, we're hoping to fill out the the calendar with, with the Romsteins of the world and, and uh, things like that and, and head right into the Olympics. It, it'll be here before we know it. Well, Joe, uh, thank you. Appreciate you making the time for us today. Hey, if people, uh, you guys have a great uh, history uh, section on your website, if people want to learn more about the Coliseum, but if people want to visit that website or even reach out to you, what's, what's the best place for them to uh, learn a little bit more? Yeah, the, the, uh, the best way is through the, the website. It's lacoliseum.com. Uh, my contact information is on there. You know, people, we, we encourage people, if you're in the area, if you're visiting Los Angeles, whatever, reach out and contact us. We'd love, love for you to stop by and see the place. It's truly iconic, 100 years of history, 100 more to go. Uh, and NASCAR, NASCAR is just one of a long line of, of signature legacy events that we hosted. Congratulations. That's just awesome. And I uh, can't wait to see what's next for you guys. And, and big thanks to everybody for listening to this special detour episode of Adventures in Venueland. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We love your five-star reviews so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone. Adventures in Venueland is a side project of the Event and Arena Marketing Conference, a nonprofit organization bringing together people in the field of live entertainment to discuss marketing, publicity, and sales trends. 
Find out more at eventarenamarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.